This episode features our sexual two panel. Welcome to the Art of Growth, where we use the Enneagram and the best tools we can find to help you transform. We are in our season of 27 panels of the subtypes. And a subtype is where the dominant instinct combines with the dominant type. And this week are the type two panels. This season has been an incredible reflection on how each type relates to their instinctual stack, their instinctual sequence. So we are talking to these panels and understanding the nuance of how they relate to their dominant instinct, their secondary or neutral instinct, and their repressed or resisted instinct. If you don't yet know your instinctual sequence, you can go and take our test that's on www.theartofgrowth.org. And we have a free test there that will show what your dominant is as well as your secondary and the one that could use some growth around it. You can also go there to take our free Enneagram test to find out about group coaching, individual coaching, and how we work with organizations as there is a growing awareness of the return on investment when companies increase their emotional intelligence and can relate to each other and their customers better. But for now, let's get into this episode with our Sexual 2 panel. There is growing evidence that our literal neurological networks are changed, expanded, and healthier when we listen to the stories of others and when we share our own story. So thank you for listening to the stories in these panels And thank you to so many of you now who are sharing your stories with us. It's an amazing honor to be a part of this work and to witness this. But now, let's get into it with the Sexual 2 panel. All right, welcome everyone to the Sexual 2 podcast. And the reason why we're going through all of them this season, 27 panels is because we know that the subtype makes all the difference in the world. The type is one thing, but then once the type meets the instinct, it creates this different expression. And we hope you'll see that through the different twos that we're talking to, the self-preservation two, the sexual two, and the social two. And so today we are so thrilled to have you with us. I'd love for you to begin by introducing yourself, telling us where you're from. I'm Holly, and I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. My name is Hattie. Um, I am from Wisconsin. I'm Janae, and I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm Madeline, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. Awesome. Well, it's so good to see you and have you here. We're going to begin by talking about the type, just briefly mentioning the type's need, the core need to be loved, to be wanted, to be helpful, to be connected and how that expresses itself through the three aspects of the sexual instincts. And the first one is risk, uh, taking risks, pushing the envelope, bringing about change. It's it's not always being risky to the type, but it's that kind of pushing to see things move forward. I'd love for you to tell me how your need to be loved, to be helpful, to be wanted, to be connected shows up through this aspect of risk-taking. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) for me, probably the most poignant time I can remember pushing that envelope is internet. We had just gotten really kind of into internet chatting, AOL chat rooms, just to date myself a bit. And I was chatting with this guy and we were just really connecting, talking about our interests and everything. And I was like, you know what? 
we're going to exchange addresses. We're going to do the exact thing my parents tell me to never do. And we're going to exchange addresses and pictures. And when I, when the envelope came in, I was so excited, but then my mom was like, who, who's this person? I don't know them. And so I got like a two week ban from being on the internet, but it was so worth it just to get that, that handwritten letter and that picture of this person I had connected with on online. And so I, I've seen myself kind of push those boundaries, ignore that voice. It's like, is that a good idea? Should you do that? Like, I'm going to do it anyways, because for me, the reward is more than worth that risk. Yeah. Could you say a little bit about what the reward is for you? Honestly, for me, a lot of the time, it's that connection, feeling that I've made an impact on somebody else's existence, their life, especially if it's in a positive way, if I'm helping them, even if it's through a tough time. But that connection, knowing that putting myself out there is being received positively, is being acknowledged. And a lot of the times when I put myself out there, it's also returned in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just described that. Before I comment on that, I'd love to hear from Madeline or Holly. What do you... uh... Well, it's so funny. I'm so glad that I let you go first, Janae, because that's exactly what I was actually going to talk about. So that's so funny. Um, For risk, for me, the main thing I thought about was just being so open with dating. Same thing, like 14, would talk to anyone on the internet, was always grounded, was always grounded (laughs) growing up. And it, oh my gosh, that's what I was known for. So definitely I did it then, but really like my early, early twenties, I just had every dating app. I just talked to anyone And my friends thought it was so crazy and dangerous. And I'm like, no, I have all these boundaries in place. It's fine. How are you going to meet people without meeting people? And there's so many women that like, don't talk to anyone. And they're like, why don't I have a boyfriend? And like, because you have to talk to people, you have to put yourself out there. But now understanding Enneagram, I get that my way is not how everyone thinks, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, definitely related to like, the reward is greater because through that risk um, and loving meeting new people, there definitely was a lot of heartbreak though, because I'm still a two. So it's the reward is there, but you know that eventually you're going to pay for it. And when it does work out is so great. Like just keep on doing it. For me, the, the boundary thing is I had this joke. I tell my husband rules are meant to be broken, right? I think there's a workaround for anything. And I, I think that you can't get a yes if you're not willing to put yourself out there and, and challenge and ask hard things. Like, no just means you need to ask a different way. <laughs> so <laughs> that is where my boundaries come in in terms of not always being the greatest. Um, they have benefited me many times, especially as I've worked my way up in my career, if, if you will. Um, relationships, sometimes not taking no, no has, but... It's just making sure the other person is is comfortable in that seat. And I have had, I hate to have to say this out loud, but I've had someone once tell me, you don't have very good boundaries. Mm. And I was like, ooh, when I was young, you know, I'm 45 now and I was in my early 20s. And I was like, you know, when I look back on that, I was like, I absolutely did not. <laughs> and I can't argue that. Now mm. that I've I've gotten older and that I'm doing some self-reflection, it's making sure that the risk I take the reward makes sense. And there's a pureness behind why I'm taking that risk, if you will. Like I'm not doing it just for selfish gain. 
that it's important to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really appreciate that honesty there in terms of like knowing that there is something more to it that you might be looking for something. Could you say a little bit if you're you know comfortable doing so, could you say a little bit about what that is? Well, for landing a relationship I might want in the past, I'm married now, so that's not an issue. Or really from for my career path, it was just more, I had a place I wanted to go. My needs were not being met where I was situated and where I was sitting and I wanted to grow and go just, just pushing the boundaries, not being scared to ask things that most people would go, I cannot believe you just asked that. I cannot mm-hmm. believe you just said that. And I'm sometimes people would even say you're fearless. I was always the one at work that when someone needed something done or a yes, Hey, Holly, I need to have this conversation with so-and-so. I know you can get a yes. How do you do that? Or can you help me come up with an idea to have those hard conversations or that kind of thing? So really for me, it showed up a lot in my career over the last couple of years more than anywhere. For me, it's not wanting a relationship that's just kind of like surface level and not just sharing like the good parts of my life, for example, but like wanting somebody that's like wants to hear about the bad stuff too and wants to tell me about the bad stuff. I guess that's just kind of what I need like in a relationship, all of it, and not just what might make you feel good or might be like a fun, happy topic or something. But I like love all the bad, hard stuff. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and just kind of pushing, pushing for that. I don't know. I feel like I'm not very, really satisfied until I've gotten to like that point in a relationship. Mm. We talk about risk in different ways. There's a risk of like risk in relationship. And a lot of you were talking about that. Like I'm willing to take risks and and put myself out there. And we'll come back to broadcasting a little bit more. But there's also the risk that sexual twos will take to bring about change that others wouldn't want to bring (laughs) in a family system and a corporate system or in just friendship and kind of push people to take risks, to take they bring some changes in the space and how the two then sees that as connected to what's good for them. And that's distinctly different than say the self-preservation two or the social two. Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, have you seen that in yourself and have you, have you done that sometimes like push change because you could see that it would benefit the people you care about? I love the word bold because I think that to me, that's a beautiful thing that can be about twos is that once we're twos are are bold, then we're enabled to help enact change that is impactful, that may be needed, that may be necessary to get people excited about it. It always takes that one person to stick their neck out, right, to do the right thing and, and to take the risk, and not everybody's willing to do that. And so that is one thing that I do admire when I, in other twos, and just there's so much shame, I think, sometimes associated with twos, but I love love the word bold because I think it takes bold people and twos to be able to make good change, real change happen sometimes and regardless of what the the situation is. So I love that word. Yes. Professionally for me, um, I am a sexual assault survivor advocate. So a lot of my professional life is pushing my my clients to do better or to, to take a risk or to I be more, I guess be more like what comes naturally to me kind of. And so I I definitely can see that playing out there. It it is kind of a risk though, because it's, you have to kind of not push too hard, but push hard enough. Um, I think I also agree that I like the word bold 
try this, let's do this, let's work on this. But then there's also that tipping point. And so I think sometimes, sometimes it can be a little tricky for me to be like, okay, if I push so hard, it's all my work is going to be for nothing. So I think there is like that weighing um, the risks versus, you know, rewards and kind of knowing when to, when to ease up a little bit. Um, But definitely kind of a natural thing, I think for me. So Mm -hmm. I'm usually very much on the soft-spoken side and I love letting things play out. But when I'm kind of pushed into that corner, that's when I, I, I have no problem just going straight to, okay, then we're going to go. If we need to go for a more direct method, then we can go ahead and do that. And I'm doing a stay-at-home mom thing right now, but it's definitely come out a lot with my son. And as he's been navigating through life, he's six now. And we had an issue with one of his preschools that he was attending Um, And so we finally decided to pull him out. And I remember we were having a conversation with the director and it was just, it's full stop. No, this is what we're going to do. This is the route we're going to take. And these are the decisions that I need to make for my child. And I remember leaving and me and my husband got into the car and he looked at me. He was like, I didn't know you had that in you. And like, I don't bring it out very often, but I do when I have to. It's Interesting, especially when we will do it on somebody else's behalf or because we know Mm. it will benefit whoever we're advocating for or pushing that change for. Um, I know at least for me, I'm I'm more likely to push those boundaries on the behalf of somebody else before I do for my own. Right. That's a great distinction. Thank you for saying that. I think I see some head nodding. Mm -hmm. That's true for the others here. You're you're more like risk for other types would be like, I'll take risks for me. But for twos, because of this connection back to people. It doesn't see that seems to be true for you as well. Definitely. Yeah. This is where the instinct can sometimes work against the type. It can sometimes work for the type. And then, you know, that doubles down on, on some features. But in this case, risk can push against relationship or can cost relationship connection with people. Does that come up for you sometimes? Do you feel that tension internally? Like, I want to take a risk but this may cost me something relationally. I think for myself, I am like very willing to take that risk because I feel like it kind of weeds out some relationships that might not really be like enough for me anyway. And that maybe comes across as kind of harsh, but yeah, I'm kind of choosy on who is very close to me. I almost use it as like a tool, I think, to kind of push things and risk things. And if it doesn't work out, I'm like usually kind of okay with that. (laughs) I don't know if that's like normal, but what do you mean by not enough for me? The relationship is that it's not enough for me. What does that mean? It's kind of like along the lines of, I want someone who's going to be there as much as I'm there for them. Having that level of relationship that like I want to have with them. And if they're sort of not at that same place. Um, I think that we can be friendly, but I don't know if it's going to be like, like a strong relationship in my life. I mean, it's maybe a little scary still. I, I would hope that like the risk wouldn't push them away or, you know, be too much. But I think in the end, it like kind of helps me out sometimes in like knowing who is going to sort of be there for me. I related to that too, about, you know, weeding people out. My friends are often like, why would you say that? You know, that's, that's pushing the boundary. Like you don't say that to a guy. I'm like, if he has an issue with me saying this, he's not going to stick around. So if anything, this is a good thing because 
you don't want people in your life that, you know, you have to be fickle and timid with, and that aren't going to be there. So I definitely agree with that as well. And the other way you were asking, like, how can it cost you? I was thinking a lot when it comes to like the getting your needs met and seduction, sort of using like fusion and risk as well. I think that twos can really seduce with the fact that like, Hey, I'm a two, like I will meet all your needs. I'm going to be all in. And this can be very charming and enticing at first. And people love this. Like they feel seen, they're getting their needs met. But often I think the cost is that over time, especially with certain personality types that can begin to feel smothering or like Hattie was talking about twos like to go deep. They're like, okay, this was like fun and exciting, but I'm ready to get off this ride now because I'm tired of having these conversations. And it's sort of like our superpower, but the risk of using it is it's so strong. It can get, get people in, but it doesn't always make them stay in the long run. It can be pushed too far. So that's sort of the cost that I've seen is like, am I using these tools and am I using my personality structure that I might be getting this person in, but is this going to end up hurting me in the long run? Because eventually it's too much. So then you're balancing, like, do I just not even show that? Do I not go all in? But then that's not satisfying. And so that that's the cost that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a hard balance between the wanting to be authentically who you are mm-hmm. and not wearing people out yeah, <laughs> who are not like you, who don't have that same energy. You know what I mean? I, I exactly. That's such a tough balance. And I've had to tell myself, like we have some friends in our group that I don't go as deep with, but the value for me in those friendships and those relationships is the pressure's off. Like I don't have to bear my soul and talk about, I don't know, frivolous things. And sometimes that's a little bit of a positive. I feel like a good escape from so much of our two-ness, you know? So I've just had to learn to value those relationships that don't go all the way in, which is what I do prefer, but they still meet a need, even if they're not right where I am. Huge kudos to you, Holly. This is one of the things that we actually teach in and practice ourselves in group coaching through the instincts, learning to balance that. So as a sexual type myself, um, I'm aware of that propensity towards there's only one way to connect <laughs> and it's this intensity and, uh, and then learning to appreciate and receive uh, different kinds of energy. It comes from self-preservational or comes from the social instincts. So I appreciate that. Shay, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I was thinking about a friend that I I ended up losing. He just completely disappeared on me one day. It just got too much. And I realized after the fact, way after the fact, I was like, he he just couldn't handle the depth that I wanted from him. And we were good for a bit, but then lack of communication. And so it, it definitely set me back personally. I'm like, okay, can anybody handle me where I, I want to go? And mm-hmm. so just learning to kind of be mindful of, okay, well, I will throw out little things like, okay, well, let's see if they can handle this. And then I'll just kind of stay at that level for a bit. I'm like, okay, well, let's take it up a notch. And okay, we still good? All right. But learning that, as you said, not everybody can handle 
what we want out of them, but also learning to respect and to see and receive, most importantly, what other people are willing to give us and acknowledging that as its own form of love and attention and respect. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, it's, yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I love how you said that. That's key. You have the heart. <laughs> you get the sexual energy. That's the part that really doubles down on heart energy. It's like so much <laughs> to connect with, and, and you've got this gift. And what you've all all four of you have been doing is connecting and blending, which is intuitive and it makes a lot of sense. Risk broadcasting infusion. Uh, and so it's great because I don't need to go necessarily down each one step by step yeah. because you've been doing it. You've talked about how you broadcast. You'll put your, you know, you'll throw the fishing line out there and see what's happening and if anybody bites. And then, uh, and, and then also, but it's all in service of that deeper connection, the fusion um, between you and another person. So that's been really good. Let's talk about the neutral instinct. Which one is second for you and how do you use it? So my second is social and there were a few things that I, I realized one is definitely connecting others. I've heard many twos talk about this of like, they're like, I'm the unofficial go-to person to connect you with who you're looking for with what you need. I love doing that. I have found that no matter how hard I try not to do this, whatever group or social setting I'm in, I somehow become the welcoming committee and the connection desk. And I love it, honestly. Like I've just decided this is me. I'm going to stop pushing against this. The thing that I have to be mindful of is that I don't overstep because of that. For example, um, I'm in a small group and I'm not leading it. I'm receiving. And this has been such a blessing because I'm always leading. But I think it's that sexual energy wanting to push and enact change as well. I see problems and I want to make it better and I want to fix it. But I also want to respect authority. So I'm always inviting new people to our group, which I think is a great thing. But one of my leaders is when I'm like, I got new recruits. He's looking at me like... (laughs) why do you keep inviting people? I'm like, well, you know, bring them on in. We, we need to grow. And so that's something that I think is a strength of a two, but I also think that it can be a weakness if you, if you don't know when to like turn that off. And then the other thing was the bonding and affiliating zone. I definitely love collaboration. Like if I'm going to have to be in sales and business, which a lot of those aspects can be hard for twos, collaboration and if it benefits another person oh makes it all better makes it so much fun like through that lens i can make the things that are hard for me better so love collaborating love getting to partner like interview other people partner with other businesses i'll feel more comfortable for example doing a giveaway if someone else is involved than if it's just myself so i've learned how to sort of leverage the bonding and the affiliating and the collaborating to where it helps me, but I, I know that it's also genuinely helping someone else. So I think I, that's mainly how I use my social instinct. I'm also social um, as my neutral. Probably the most I think I 
I've actually used it was probably when I was working retail because it just it flows so easily. It's like, okay, this person's looking at this outfit. It's this time of year and just kind of reading who needed help, who just wanted to be left alone because they're always those shoppers. I'm like, okay, I will be nearby. You see me nearby. If you need me, I'm here. But also definitely collaborating. I, I love I love working on especially those big projects. It's like I want to do something big, but I can't do it by myself. And I know I can't do it by myself. And so I will find those people. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, well, we will tag team on this and we will build up from here. I also find my social supporting my sexual instinct to a great great. ordeal, um, a great deal as well. Being able to read people just comes in handy. So, so often going into that kind of fusion immersion, being able to pick up, okay, Ooh, they lit up when we started talking about this. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about it more? Because I love it and you love it. So let's go, let's go deep on down this one lane and then figuring out, okay, we've made eye contact across the room, reading energy. Okay, well, I'm going to go in and we're going to go and have a deeper conversation, or at least I'm going to introduce myself and see where things go from there. I, I refer to it as my co-driver to my, my sexual instinct. It helps. <laughs> it has that map occasionally. It's like, okay, we need to go here. And yes. so then sexual instinct mm. is just, okay, let's go. <laughs> mm, I like that. This the co-driver. That's really good. Special is also my natural and I just assumed I was going to be social um, when I took the instincts test in part because I had been leading teams. Mm -hmm. Like that was a clear part of what my role was at work. And so we're always collaborating. I'm always trying to get the best out of the team and keep them engaged and liking each other and all of those things. But the truth is you put me in, let's say a networking environment. I don't really love it. I work the room. I'll meet a lot of people. But really what I want is those one or two key connections that I can help take them and me to whatever the next level is. This is not my most favorite thing to do. Um, and, and until Joel and I talked about it, I was surprised. And I had a couple of people that know me very well even say, including my therapist, she goes, you're not social instinct. <laughs> because I think we naturally twos can appear that way very easily. It's just a given. We have lots of friends, but that's to me, what's not most important. What's most important for me is deep, those deep connections and relationships. So it was nice to know the difference and really understand where I fell because I I didn't prior. So, Uh, so far the three of you, I'd love to hear from Hattie, if this is um, how it works for you as well. But if your social is the second for a lot of twos, the natural to, to begin with, you are going to be a people person. That's that's how you're designed. And so if people are around, you've got the heart energy, it goes out and you do make the connections. But it tends to be that one serves the other when it comes to the instincts. It's does the social serve the the sexual or is the sexual serving the the social? And so social types will describe how they use the sexual occasionally when they need to, if, they, if that's their second, to lean in. Whereas for sexual types, it's like, yeah, I use the social. That's my canvas. I get to actually kind of do my thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you and I talked, that's what popped for you, Holly, was like, oh, no, that's definitely what I'm doing. I'm using the social sphere to have that one or, you know, two connections that goes deep. You know, you're looking for sure. that. Patty, what about you? So I am um, the different one in this group. <laughs> um, my neutral instinct is the self-preservation instinct. I feel like it can sometimes kind of like... Like, I know I'm a two, but I feel different than other twos. And I think sometimes it's um, having that higher um, self-preservation. I use it a lot to my benefit, I think. 
I am really good at knowing when I've been giving too much or um, mm. I need to like take a step back and take care of myself for a while. That kind of helps me with that. Um, <laughs> like it just kind of helps me know I just need to like take a nap right now and I can't, um, I can't give <laughs> anymore. The other thing that kind of stands out to me when I uh, read about the self-preservation is um, just that idea of wanting to be in like a cozy home, bringing that cozy home kind of with me when I'm out and about even, even like to work or whatever. I just want people to feel like really comfortable um, around me. I want to be really comfortable. I want to know that like, I'd have everything I need and I can just kind of relax and not have to like be worried about that. And I think that that helps me to be a better too, a more healthy too sometimes is like just being able to take care of myself, know that I have the things that I need. And then, and then I can kind of like give more, I think to other people and feel more fulfilled in doing that. Cause I'm not so worried about like, Oh shoot. I just didn't even think to like, I don't know, start supper or something. Cause I was so busy, you know, doing mm. something for somebody else. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I think it's definitely been really helpful. I think it's helps me like professionally and just um, like with my family and taking care of my kids and um, stuff like that. So. Abby, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> that is your two-ness. <laughs> when you guys awesome. are talking about like all the social stuff, I'm like, nope. I have no idea. <laughs> for you. That's not the case at all for me. But it's so interesting to hear that because all the other stuff we were talking about, I could totally relate to. I'm like, yeah, definitely. And then as soon as we started talking about this, I'm like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> this, is, this is like a foreign language to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so good. I'm, I'm glad you're the uh, odd person here, Hattie, because this illustrates so beautifully the diversity within the types, even when you have the same subtype, because your second does influence a lot. And that's what we're learning through the season is how much it does. <laughs> Uh, you're going to hear the social two podcast where the, there's one social who's like, oh, my second self-preservation. And they describe and each person who has the self-pres as their second, each of them very similar to what you just said, describe it as the sort of protective, uh, you know, thing that uh, energy that's within them, the protective <laughs> intelligence. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting tired. I should pull back here. Uh, but if you're sexual and you're second social or social and you're second sexual is very little of that. It just tends to kind of put itself out there. And so it's the integration of all the brilliance that's within all of the instincts that we're looking for for more in, in our lives. So uh, that leads us to this third, the neglected one for uh, for each of us. And three of you, I already know, right? Really easy. The third is the self-pres. And uh, for one of you, the third is the social. So <laughs> talk to me about uh, which is your, your third, the neglected, what problems it's caused you, and how you're learning to integrate it more, how you're growing through it. <laughs> I'll start because I realized <laughs> as I was hooking up my laptop that I have not eaten lunch today. So mm -hmm. I made sure my kid ate lunch. I made sure my husband was in the process of eating lunch, but not me. And that's not unusual. <laughs> um, usually it'll be like, I'll get the grumblies like about four or five. I'm like, did, did I eat lunch? Did, did I feed myself today? I know I had breakfast at least. <laughs> Definitely problematic on a survival level. 
knowing that I, I need to fuel myself with actual substantive things, not just feelings and good vibes and energy, but I need food to survive. It's a struggle. It's out of all the instincts, it's something I consciously have to think about. It's like, oh, I need to eat. I need to work out. I should probably sit down and do laundry or clean something today. And so it, it feels like it takes almost more energy than the other instincts that just kind of flow naturally. It's like, oh, okay, I'm finally getting into a rhythm of working out. But even then I sit up and I, I start to talk myself out of it half the time. It's like, do I have the energy to do other stuff after I work out? That's the important thing. The working out is not important. It's what comes after that. Mm. And so I've had to see that it's a means to an end. And the biggest reason I've kept up with working out is because I know I sleep better. And if I sleep better, I have more energy the next day and I can do more things for more people. So that's probably... It's problematic because I have to kind of struggle with it so much. But at the same time, I know it's necessary for everything else I have going on. Mm. I feel like, um, twos with the sexual and social, we're kind of addicted to busyness. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what more can I take on my plate? I love to say how busy I am. And it's that cliche. You can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Mm -hmm. And the beauty and the self-prez is, is realizing you're really going to help more people. You're going to impact more people when you love yourself first. And man, and that is hard, hard mm. to hardwire. Mm. So, yes. so difficult and such a challenge. I think that's one thing the pandemic has taught me. Um, I led a pandemic task force and at the end of it, I was tapped out. I started developing an eye twitch. <laughs> That wouldn't stop. And I was like, and it still does it sometimes if I've got a lot on my plate. And it's like the reminder that, oh my gosh, like you have this, you're needed right now. And it's, and you're doing important work, but you're doing your dis, yourself a disservice and the people you're supposed to be serving because look at you, you're a hot mess. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're topped out, you know? And so it's just remembering that God wants us to take care of ourselves too. He does. He so wants that. That is hard though. It's it's hard for the two to do because I feel like in that self-pres moment, you feel very selfish. Um, yes. Sometimes like, oh, I could be doing this for this person or I should be doing this for this person. And mm-hmm. even during the pandemic, I'm usually the one that never misses the birthday cards, never misses the special surprises when things are going rough. And I didn't have time to do all that. And I struggle with that. I felt guilty because I wasn't that person but I couldn't be. And so it's been a good, very hard lesson for me. (laughs) You are who we designed the thing we throw on most social media every now and then that says self-care is not selfish. It's like a motto that that some of you need to remember. And we wrote it specifically for that kind of a struggle. For for sure. Well, I appreciate the honesty there, Holly, and Mm. your heart. I feel that. So thank you. Madeline. Gosh, this, I mean, I have so much to say on this because I can see it so loudly in my life, the struggle with self-preservation. I feel like when Hattie was talking about it's that protective thing, I feel like it is sort of the yin-yang, the protective to the sexual instinct. And I can often see it and I get those signals. So like, I have grown at least in that, but I found it's following it when I know it. And when I see it, that's more what's hard. Something that's really hard for me is the areas of self-preservation 
cleaning, basically everything you talked about, Janae, anything to do with just materials and cleaning and organization and eating (laughs) such (laughs) normal things. Uh, So I struggle to do them, which is already hard in and of itself. But what I struggle with more as a two is that all of my, my parents and my boyfriend are all self-preservation and they're ones and threes. And they just can't understand those normal things not being easy for me. That's harder for me than, than mm. anything because I've tried to explain it. They just think I don't want to adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, like, I'm sure we all have that aspect, but I, I try to explain to them like, listen, I have my spoon theory. I have this many spoons of energy connecting my work all of these things come first. I will get to that. But if I don't, like, I don't get to it just like you don't get to these things with your sexual, you know? And so like having people understand, not understand that is what's hard for me. And I heard it said about being self-preservation blind, how sometimes you like you literally, your mind doesn't even see the clutter. Like my house is very cluttered. I see it sometimes more and it bothers me, but I can get into sexual and social and I forget about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone walks into my house. (laughs) What's uh, how do you live here? And I'm like, it doesn't bother me. The growth path then is trying to make myself care about something I don't care about and doing that whole means to an end. Basically I have to channel um, my self-preservation through my sexual or my social. So Um, have someone clean with me, go to a nature park and walk with someone, Mm. um, figure out a way to make it enjoyable. Um, listen to a podcast when I clean that helps a lot if I get myself to do it. So definitely channeling it helps, but yeah, it's a really big struggle for me for sure. And another thing that I thought was interesting on, um, neglecting self-preservation, um, definitely sleep sleep is so good for twos when it's good, but like, uh, (laughs) taking care of our skin, eating these things. So many twos, I hear that they neglect these things. My sleep schedule six months ago got turned around to, I stayed up to 6 30 AM one night and it never turned back. And so now it's six months later (laughs) and I've developed an actual disorder called delayed sleep syndrome And I go to sleep at 7 a.m. every day and I work from home. This is why I'm able to do this. And I wake up at 1 or 2 p.m. or 5 p.m. And honestly, it's it's been so hard. And people look at it, they're like, how have you not fixed this? Now, it's really hard to fix. But I know I'm like, it's my self-preservation blind. I've just worked my schedule around this. I've literally, it's so hard for me to attack those things that I've just worked my life around this. So... Um, that's sort of an extreme example. That's something I'm working on, but it's a struggle for me for sure. Well, I'm glad we're catching you fresh after your, <laughs> your night's sleep or morning. Yes. <laughs> the so- social, sexual, sexual, social, those two combination are, uh, find it difficult to inhabit the physical material world. It's a difficult place to live. We love the hard, the heart, the head, the relationship, the ideas. We love that world. It's the other world, that the physical material world that's tough. Uh, so let's flip that and let's hear from yes. Hattie <laughs> from the other side. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Well, I can definitely relate to people not understanding <laughs> when it comes to the social being my um, very, very weak in- instinct. <laughs> like, on the quiz, it was like, it was like, well, 1% or something. <laughs> like, it was so low. I was like, oh no, this is a really, this is a problem. <laughs> yes. My social instinct needs a lot of help. It's very, it's pathetic. I would say that ha- being a two with basically no <laughs> social instinct can be really lonely. Mm. It's difficult to sort of under to explain to other people because it's difficult even for myself to understand how I can really love people but at the same time, not really like them. (laughs) It's like tricky. Honestly, stumbling upon this instincts and really understanding them, I would say for the first time, like on a deep level, only for the last like few months has like, has really changed Mm. how I'm, how I think about a lot of this stuff. Um, I felt so, I don't know, like misunderstood before. And now I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Mm. I like being around people. You know, I like helping them. I like being in their lives. I I like when they're in my life. Um, But at the same time, for example, going to like a Christmas party at church, like I'd rather rip out my fingernails. (laughs) It's like my worst nightmare. I hate it. I'm like, but I'm like, I don't, like I didn't understand for such a long time like the disconnect between wanting people to be in my life and wanting to put like into their life. But at the same time, like if somebody asks me about like the weather or a sports team, like one more time, I'm going to just like run out of here screaming. It's so, <laughs> it's so exhausting to me to talk about things that don't seem to matter to me. And I have to like, I have to really tell myself like, this matters to them. They're talking to you. You need to like pretend to not hate this, (laughs) but it's, it can be really exhausting. Like I have a very short time that like I will, I can give to do those things. And then I'm just like, I'm done. It can be hard. I want to, you know, as a two, I'm, I'm really wanting to like help invest, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's like, I kind of want to do it from a distance sometimes, <laughs> or it's really hard for me to get to the point of having a, having a friend. Um, I don't have a lot of friends. I have never had a lot of friends. I'm generally okay with that. Um, but it, it can be lonely sometimes, especially like as a two, as somebody who loves people, not having a lot of people, I can be really lonely. I really, I love getting to the point where I have that deep connection with someone getting to that point though, can be unbearable. Like I just, it's like not, I'm like, I can't do it. It's not worth it. Like I can't kind of force myself to go through these, these motions, at least not enough to like, not for as long of a period as I should, or for like as frequently as I should to get to the point of having those deep friendships that I really like long for. Um, Getting to that point is like such a battle for me. It's like I'll be driving to like an event or even like for work or something like more of like a business, like a meeting people or that kind of thing to like psych myself out the whole way there. Like, what are some things I can talk about with people that are like not deep? that are not going to scare them away. Like, what are some things, you know, that I can say? And I really have to like, I feel like I should almost make like little like note cards that are like, talk about this, talk about this. (laughs) And yeah, it's hard. Like I have the whole, the idea of the desire of like bringing people together or working on something collaboratively, like, can I just 
cannot relate to that at all. <laughs> like if it was a group project, I'd rather everyone just leave me alone. Let me do it afterwards. I'll tell you all about what I did and we can hang out, you know, but like working on it, something together is so exhausting to me. It's really like a chore. Um, and sometimes it has to happen because that's how life works, but it is like very draining for me. Like I really need to like go home and just zone out in front of a TV. If I've had to like be around a bunch of people like networking and collaborating and meeting people and stuff like that can be really, really hard for me. So this is a very odd feeling of like liking people, like wanting relationships, but kind of being exhausted from the process, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to work on it. I honestly feel like it has held me back a lot in life. And so just like really doing like baby steps to just practice. I've tried to do like just going to church and being like, okay, I'm going to find three people and I'm going to ask them a question about their life. Like a very, you know, like, I don't know. Oh, how is your kid doing in first grade this year? Ho, 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 you know, and then just walk away and don't ask anything deeper or try to get anything from them. Just like, that's great. I'm so happy to hear that. And then just let it rest. It's like so hard for me. Is that, is that hard for you to um, end or exit a relationship that's not good for you or healthy for you? The reason I ask that is because as a, to me as a sexual and social, like I like will hang on to something for years. I've stayed in a relationship three years past what it needed because I was like, I can make them love me. I, I got the power to do this. I can make this work. But hearing that you've got that whole self press connection do you find when you get to go deep with people, if it's not healthy for you or not really truly reciprocal and giving you what you need, is it easy for you? And easy might be the wrong word to pull out of that. Or do you still struggle with that too? I don't know if I'd use the word easy, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's probably, it probably is not as hard for me being in a relationship that is such a, like so much effort going into it on my part. Mm -hmm. I just don't think I can it's just so difficult for me to like sustain that, that I think I would, I'm not saying it'd be easy. Like I letting go of any relationship is not like, Oh, that's no problem. You know? Sure. But I think that, um, I think that that self-pres does come into it a little bit and just be like, this is like too hard for me. Like I can't, I can't put all my energy into this. I need to like save my energy for, mm -hmm. for either other people who like mm -hmm. are going to kind of give me what I need or just other endeavors. Okay. Feel like you have to perform in the relationship in each one every time you meet with somebody. Yeah, I think I need to prepare for like some big yeah performance yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, so I feel that from you, and I feel the um, the draw, and I feel the fatigue. And you you know, as a sexual uh, too, followed by self preservation, there is a, a way for you to be able to move forward towards relationships to have actually what you need, which is that deeper connection. But maybe also using some of the self-pres, and we could talk about this uh, offline, but using some of the self-pres as a means to pull back a little bit. The, the connection, and I, and I can feel it in you. I know what you're talking about when you, when you say that in social settings, it's exhausting. If you don't have the social instinct as your second, sexual, it's already, it can already be tiring to have a large group of people because the sexual energy tends to find its natural flow without energy to kind of connect one-on-one -on -one with people. When there's many, 
it creates extra fatigue, brain fatigue. And so if you have, don't have social as your second, self-pres as your second, that's that much more difficult. And then you have the heart part of you, which is the need to, like, I've got to do something for you, for you to be pleased with me. And that part adds to that. And so then you're in a situation where you're already like, this is hard, and I only know how to do the deep, and I want to do something that they, in a way that they like me, and I feel that compelled to do that. Um, and so those, are, I think, are the factors that are kind of working against you a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's completely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the integration of the instincts is really where a lot of our growth takes place. (laughs) Difficult. I so appreciate you all saying how difficult it is because it is. But there are ways and you're discovering some of those ways, like how to begin to move forward, how to begin to bring a little bit of that other one online. Even Hattie, what you were saying about like, do I bring note cards with me to talk about (laughs) what feels very shallow to me and have that level of conversation and walk away, not asking for anything more. Yeah, I mean, I had to start doing that myself. I literally would have lines in my head going to events where I would say, this is the these are the lines I'm going to use. Because I never think to say, hey, how's your family? How are your kids? How's I just don't think of those things. Those things aren't natural. And so I would prepare those things. Now they are, but they weren't a few years back. And so I would use those and then like, okay, stop there. Don't go any deeper, pull back, you know? And at first it is dissatisfying. It takes time uh, to begin to integrate the other instincts and, you know, self-preservation for the other three of you here. It is uh, something that you can learn to use as a means to an end. And that is definitely how to do it to begin with. So, uh, but again, thank you so much. I, I really deeply appreciate the four of you opening up as much as you have and talking about your own life, your own journey, and how that too, how that sexual energy works its way through the features of the two. So deep appreciation to each of you. Thank you so very much. I agree with Joel so much. You were very, very open and you brought your your true heart and that is the true gift and so we're so full of gratitude for the gift of yourself that you've been willing to give um i know it's not easy it's it's hard to be vulnerable and and just to put yourself out there and then to be you know have it also be a public thing Um, but we live our lives out loud and it's a gift to everyone around so thank you so much for doing that and we will talk to you soon Bye. Thank you so much for listening and for going on this learning journey with us. Make sure you are subscribed. And if you leave us a review, it really helps the algorithm to help other people find this work. Find the free instincts test and all of our work at www.theartofgrowth.org. And follow us on Instagram at Art of Growth. So today, my friends, let us remember that love is a risk. We want to risk well and risk often because to create that connection is worth it to a wider community of people who we get to be a part of their lives. And we are reminded to invest a little bit more in some of those closest to home. Know you are loved and from that place, put yourself out there. Grace and growth, my friends.